So good morning. Today we get to hear the word from Mark seven fourteen through 23. So again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. So after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Thank you, Forrest. Well, good morning. I've shared with you that I went to Westmont College in Santa Barbara, and one of the joys of going to school in Santa Barbara is that you get to surf, and uh, I love to surf. So we were out one morning, and it was just one of those beautiful, beautiful days out, and the swell was about four to five feet, and and the waves were perfect, and I had just gotten a a new uh, surfboard. It was a quad fin, and uh, really fast, and really cut well, and and uh, man, I was just tearing it up on the waves that day. And so I dropped in on this one wave, and I came down, and I came to the bottom, and, and I was cutting back up the wave, and the whole wall of the wave just closed out on me, and just sent me powerfully tumbling underneath the surf, and uh, my boards under there with me, and and it kept me down for a while, and then I popped up, and my board shot straight up into the air, out of the water, and then it's connected to a leash, as you know, and, and then it shot straight back down, uh, right onto my face, and the uh, skag of the board uh, cut my face, and my buddies are with me surfing, like, you okay? And then one of my buddies looks at me, and he's like, oh, <laughs> And I couldn't feel it because it was cold, you know, in the ocean and the salt was on it. I could feel the sting of it, but I couldn't feel too much of it. So we get onto the beach and I'm with several buddies and they, uh, one of my buddies uh, comes over and it was bleeding uh, really bad. And uh, he comes over and he looks at it and, and kind of dries it off with his towel. And, and he looks at me and goes, oh, you should be okay. He goes, uh, let me put a Band-Aid on it. You should be fine. And my other buddy's kind of like, I don't think so. And uh, he's looking closer, and he's all, no, that's really deep. That's really deep. A Band-Aid's not going to do it. So we get, we get over to emergency, and uh, really what happens is kind of gross, but it literally, you could, you could lift up my whole cheek. It cut, it cut the whole thing. And my one buddy's all, you can just put a Band-Aid on it. some reason, we think we can just put a Band-Aid on these things. And Jesus is responding to that. There is so much more. It's really deep. It's not just a flesh wound. We have major heart issues going on. And Jesus wants us 
to take a look at that. He wants us to have purified hearts, like we've been singing about this morning. He wants us to be restored and renewed and washed. But for some reason, we keep just trying to put band-aids on our issues, on our sinful hearts. So let's pray this morning that God will do his work in our hearts. Father, I just, uh, I just thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for the power of your word. Lord Jesus, uh, teach us through your Holy Spirit uh, and, and convict us through your Holy Spirit of, uh, of our hearts, our sinful hearts. Show us any way in us that we are kicking against you, that we are walking away from you, that we are sinning against you and, and, and our neighbor, our friends, our family. So do your work this morning, I pray, and we thank you that you cleanse us, you forgive us our sin, that you renew us, and we want to live renewed. In your precious name, amen. Well, Jesus has been dealing with purity issues, and last week we talked about uh, Jesus dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes who were uh, so convinced uh, that Jesus and his disciples were doing it all wrong. They weren't washing their hands properly. That was not pleasing to God according to them. And Jesus approaches them and says, you know, you're so concerned about putting a band-aid on all these things of your life and that somehow this is what makes things right. You're so concerned about trying to please God. You've added all of these rules and regulations to life and you're giving me a lot of lip service, but your hearts are far away from me. You're nowhere close to me and what I desire and what I long for in relationship with you. And you keep judging others according to the way that they're doing their faith and you think your faith is better. And the Pharisees and the scribes have real heart issues, and again, they're just trying to put a Band-Aid over it. This is what will heal us. This is what will make us right before the Lord. Jesus is trying to bring about freedom, and he's shaking up traditions of men and And the weight of all the rules that are added, especially to the Gentiles. It's not about following the rules that men have established. That's not what pleases God. The inside of us is a total disaster. We may look all shiny on the outside, and yet the inside is a mess. You ever buy a car like that when you were young? Boy, it looks pretty. It's polished up. Drive it off the lot. Fifteen minutes later, it's smoking. And you're like, what did I get into? That's what the Pharisees look like. Shiny on the outside. The engine was totally broken. And Jesus wants us to deal with that, all of us, to take a look at our hearts. God came in the flesh, Jesus. He came to do an amazing work to deal with our sin, our sin issues, and and we all have them. Many try to just put a band-aid on our sin issues or even say we don't have sin issues. Have you talked to people like that? What sin? But Jesus came because we have a sin issue. Our hearts are far away from Him. And He came to provide a way of salvation. He came to provide a way of life for each and every one of us. He came to die on the cross for our sin. And He rose again on the third day And he offers us life as we believe upon the Son, Jesus Christ. That's salvation. 
That's what he came for. As we surrender our hearts unto him, we shall be saved. Jesus wants our hearts. What pleases God is a surrender. It's recognizing our sin and saying, God, I need you, the Savior, to deliver me from this. Wash me white as snow. That's why he came. And that's why he needs to deal with our hearts. All of us. So we can have life. We can't just put a band-aid on it. By faith. Not by washing of hands. Not by eating the right foods. That's not what makes us clean. But relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for all of us this morning, maybe there's some of you who don't have relationship with Jesus Christ. The invitation is, will you please consider this amazing love, this grace poured out to you? You may look shiny on the outside, but you know you're, you're a wreck on the inside. You know that your sin is just entangling you and you can't get out of it. And Christ came to free you up. And then there's some of us who are just doing lip service with Jesus and our hearts are far away. And so hear the Lord calling you back. Hear Him drawing you to Himself to be forgiven, to be renewed to be restored. Let's stop just trying to put band-aids on things. Let's really take a look at our hearts uh, this morning. Jesus offers these radical statements in this chapter. Again, he's dealing with these man-made laws in the, in the, in the washing of hands, right? And so he deals with that in, in the initial part, but now he's dealing with dietary laws that came in. The purpose of the dietary laws that were established in Leviticus 11, the purpose of those is that God was establishing His people who were to be set apart unto Himself. You are to be My people. You are to to live out this life. You're to look different than the rest of the world. You're to give yourselves wholeheartedly to Me. And this is what it looks like. And what you eat. And so then in Leviticus 11, if you look at it, there's a list of Foods that are clean or unclean, according to the Lord. And this is how the people, the followers of God, were to follow Him in their dietary customs. It looked radically different than the rest of the world, and it was intended to look different. One of the things that I'm always convicted of in my life, that the Lord always is asking me, is, Rod, do you you look different? Do you look different in this world? Or do you just blend in so well that nobody really knows who you belong to? How about for you? Do you look different? Do people know you belong to Jesus Christ? Or are we just trying to blend in and not cause any, any waves, not stir things up, and go with the flow? Jesus set these dietary laws to be a people set apart unto him. And he called the people to him, he said, again and again, I love God's patience. I love Jesus' patience. I want you to understand me. I want you to know who I am. I'm about to say some radical things here that are going to turn you upside down. And he said to me, hear me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him, make him unclean. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. There's nothing outside of a man, whether you eat it, whether you grab the food with unclean hands. That's not what defiles you. 
Now, when you first hear these statements from Jesus, you're like, okay, interesting statement. But you need to understand something. This is absolutely radical. And it's turning them upside down. Their whole lives out of Leviticus 11 have been, we are going to keep the commands of God. And we are obeying God with our dietary laws. We are set apart. And now, Jesus, you're saying, what? It's not the food from the outside that makes you unclean. That's a whole new statement. Unheard of. Blasphemy. How dare you say such a thing? It was, it was this choice that the people of Israel made. Remember Daniel and Daniel 1.8? I will not defile myself by eating the king's food. Those who were devout unto the Lord would never eat unclean food because they were set apart unto God. People were being brutally murdered, literally cut limb to limb, forced to eat swine, and they wouldn't. And so they would cut off their limbs and they would not give in because they were devout unto God. We belong to Him. We're not going to eat the swine. Kill us. We don't care. Do you understand what a radical statement this is? To followers of Yahweh? It wasn't just going down the street and choosing on Milwaukee and Baja or Subway or Panda Express. This was to the core of their being. It doesn't matter what comes from the outside. You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. What are you saying? It was so devout. Still practiced today in Jerusalem. I made a big mistake when I was in Israel once. I was with my wife, and we, we took a bunch of college students to Israel. And we had one day where we, it was just a day off. And so I'm like, honey, let's, let's go. We were, staying, we were staying on Mount Zion, and just across the valley was the King David Hotel. And I said, sweetheart, let's, let's go have a nice breakfast at the King David Hotel. And it overlooks Israel, and they have a beautiful patio there. And it's just a wonderful place. And so we get there, and I'm, I'm starving, and, and uh, we sit down. It's a very just really nice restaurant, and I'm just having a great day with my wife. And, and uh, I sit down, and the waitress was lovely, and she's all, what, what would you like for breakfast? And I go, oh, I would just love a ham and cheese omelet. And there was this silence, and then this deathly glare at me. I had no idea. I wasn't even thinking about it. And then my wife's a rod, ham and cheese, ham and cheese. I'm like, what? Ham! <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she just, again, the waitress was really upset with me. And I said, I'll just, I'll just do cheese. Cheese is fine. Give me a cheese omelet. And, and again, you know, it's these dietary laws. And they're significant for the people. Was I unclean before Jesus? No. And that's what he's trying to say. It's not that which comes from the outside but what comes from the inside that ultimately matters. And this, for the the scribes and the Pharisees and for those gathered around and for the disciples, they're going, whoa, how do I live like this now? What's Jesus doing with this statement? I think he's establishing his radical authority again. Jesus is establishing his authorities, casting out demons, He's teaching the Word of God. They've never heard it like that before. He's walking on water. He's calming the seas. 
He's doing all these things that only God can do. Do you get it? Who can make such a statement as this? Only God can make such a statement as this. And what is he doing? He's establishing his authority, and now he's saying, you know what, the Mosaic Covenant, which the law was part of, and all the laws laid out for God, that does not change the heart of man. And I'm making such a radical statement because, you know what, it's time for a new covenant. It's time for a new relationship with God. And I want you to learn what that means. Come and understand. He's drawing the people in. Come and understand this new relationship. It's not about putting a band-aid on it. It's about heart work. It goes deep, this sin in our heart. It's time for a new covenant. And he's starting to bring out all that was promised in the prophets. Listen to Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law and I will put it within them. I will write it on their hearts, Jeremiah 31 says. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they each one teach his neighbor and his brother saying, Know the Lord. You know why there's not going to be the teachers like that? Because they shall know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will, and here's the beautiful promise of God, and He's going to do this through His Son, Jesus Christ. I will forgive their iniquity, their sin. This is the hope we have. We have a sin issue. And God says, I will forgive their sin. And I will remember their sin no more. I'm not going to hold them to account because my son Jesus is going to pay the price for that. All the way from the prophets of Jeremiah. Listen to Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness and from your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put that within you. I will remove that heart of stone that you have from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Here's the promise. I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the work of God from the beginning of time? His whole love story throughout. You cannot put a band-aid on it. There has to be a transformation in the heart. And when there is a transformation, when there is a surrender unto the Lord Jesus, you will be renewed. That's the new covenant. That's the new relationship with Christ. That's the offer to every one of us. Stop thinking a band-aid is going to fix your sin issue. It will not. You will die. Jesus is not distinguishing between outward conformance and inward corruption. He's saying this. There is total corruption and there is total renewal. That's what our God is going to do through His Son, Jesus. He declares all foods clean. You can eat them. God's people can eat them. That wonderful story out of Acts 10 where Peter has the blanket pour out and God gives Peter a vision 
Peter, all these foods that are coming down, all these animals coming down this blanket. You can partake now. And I want you to go to Cornelius' house in Caesarea. And I want you to eat with him. He's a Gentile. And he eats these foods. Eat with him and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And his whole house was saved that day. Do you see the radical love of God when he deals with our hearts and when you let him deal with our hearts? It changes you forever, doesn't it? He's saying, stop trying to think that your hearts are okay, that you're in a good place. Surrender them. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in you. Start to go, Lord, change me. The power of the Holy Spirit, work in me. Father, I want to be obedient to you. I want to have your love. I want to have your forgiveness. The Spirit is going to work on a heart level. It's radical, but it's life-changing, isn't it? Jesus makes that incredible statement and then he lays out the root of the problem, the heart. Verse 20. He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of men, come this whole list, evil thoughts and sexual immorality. And he goes on and on and he lists all of these things that come from where? The heart. Not from eating bacon. That's really true. See, it's coming from the heart. You have to recognize that. It's not by following all the ritual. That's not the relationship I want with you. Allow me to change your heart. We think we can do a 12-step program where we can wash enough. We can go get hypnotized and that will deal with the issues. But it's our wicked hearts. Anne Frank in the diary of a young girl, she tells the story of being up above and with another family and hiding. She comes out of that situation and writes her diary and, and all the, the cruel treatment of the Germans against the Jews. And she writes this statement in her diary. It really is a wonder that I haven't dropped all of my ideals because they seem so absurd and impossible to carry out. Yet I keep them because in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. There's a stone down there on, I think, Capitol, or not, right near the park that has that statement on it, engraved on stone. I really believe that people are good at heart. Anne Frank's an amazing person. But that statement is the farthest thing from the truth. It's totally contrary to everything God is reminding us of about our hearts. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. It's incredibly wicked. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts are so broken. We can't fix it. We can't offer enough sacrifice. We can't go to church enough. Jesus wants your heart, your sinful, messy, ugly heart. And he wants to transform it. Will you surrender it unto him? And say, Lord, be Lord of my life. And Lord, lead my life, I pray. It's an honest self-examination. Why does Jesus give us this, this long list of our heart? I think one of the reasons he gives it is to show... You know, it's all of us, isn't it? 
All of us are sinners. All of us fit into this category. All, all of us are capable of these things. That the ugly stuff in our hearts is pretty ugly. You ever get absolutely just angry at something? And, and next thing you know, you are weaving a tapestry of profanity throughout the Treasure Valley like no one's ever heard. And you're going, where did that sailor mouth come from? And you realize, whoa, my heart is ugly. Lord, help. Forgive me. I don't want to be like this. And you realize how quickly we are drawn to sin and we realize the stuff in our hearts. He's saying, I'll renew that. We're not immune from any of these things. And woe to us if we think we are. It's an honest self-examination of what's going on in our hearts. Lots of times we just want to stay in the same place and we want to look at us ourselves and we want to to put a band-aid on it and think we're okay. It's not that deep. There's an old Saturday Night Live uh, character, Stuart Smalley. Remember his saying? He's sitting in front of the mirror. Doggone it. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. And he would just say that in front of the mirror all the time. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. Doggone it, people like me. Sometimes we just like to sit in front of the mirror and think that. Instead of, Lord, I'm a wretched sinner in need of a Savior and help. My Aunt Chris recently was hiking in, in South Carolina on a mountain. She's, she's not a spring chicken. She's about, she's about 75 or so. And she was on a wonderful hike with her husband. And as she's coming down a step on the mountain, uh, she fell, and she fell hard. And she uh, broke her femur in her leg and uh, I think broke the tibia as well. I mean, she was a real mess. They rushed her to an emergency to, to get her cared for. And they're checking out all her vitals and, and everything that's going on. Again, femurs, lots of pain. Obviously, that's a major break. And they're checking out you know, her heart and her pulse and her rate and blood rate and all that. And something wasn't right. So they did some more tests, and all of a sudden they're like, we are rushing you to emergency right now. She got a triple bypass that very day. The doctor said to her, if you hadn't come in today, probably in about a week, maybe two, you would have had a massive heart attack and probably died. You can't just put a Band-Aid on that. You needed heart surgery. I know you thought it was just the leg, but you needed heart surgery. I think the Lord gives us the list because that's just the leg. The reality, that all comes out of the heart that needs radical heart surgery. And he's saying, will you be renewed? Come unto me. I want to restore you. The answer, the good news, the reminder is let us all stop putting a Band-Aid on it. The answer is Jesus who gives hope to the hopeless, who gives who gives strength through the Holy Spirit to live in the Spirit. He gives new life to those who want new life. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and if we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, what's the good news? You shall be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus came to save the lost. Jesus came to make his disciples and conform us into his image. And so for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, he continually wants us to take a look at our heart. Sometimes our legs break so that we can do some surgery on our hearts and really take a look and say, God, forgive me. Repent unto the Lord and be renewed. And don't you know, as followers of Christ, that we were baptized with him in his death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in the newness of life. And if we've been united with him in death like this, listen to this, dear followers of Christ, we will be united with him in the resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's the power of the resurrection. For one has died and one has been set free and we all have been set free because of him from our sin, Romans chapter 6. So let us be set free. Stop trying to put a band-aid on it. Let God do open heart surgery on you and have life in him. Let's pray. Father, we just again thank you for your good word. We thank you for the beauty of your son Jesus who washes us clean. And I pray for each and every one in this room this morning. Do heart surgery on us, Father. And I pray for those who don't know you right now, Father, through your Holy Spirit. Would you touch their hearts? Would you draw them close to you, Lord Jesus? And would they receive you as Lord and Savior? By just saying, yes, Jesus, I invite you. We thank you, Father, for Jesus and his death on the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. And we thank you for life that we can have in you as we believe upon your Son. In your precious name, amen.